Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, fitness, prevention, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of FitRx. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. If you listen to some of my earlier podcasts on fat burning, you'll know that I talked a little bit about fasting and intermittent fasting. And so today, we are going to dig into that a little bit deeper. I am joined by New York Times bestselling author Jen Stevens. She has written several books, um, most notably Delay, Don't Deny, uh, I believe her most recent one, Feast, Fast, Repeat, which is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it's Fast, Feast, Repeat. You can fast okay. first, fast, feast, repeat. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. That's I, close, I, though. I, I apologize. All right. All <laughs> That's right. okay. Uh, she's an intermittent faster herself since 2014, and so she was doing this even before it was trendy, has started a Facebook support group. She has two podcasts herself, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Intermittent Fasting Podcast well-respected in this area, and I'm sure uh, has a lot to share with us. So, Jen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I actually first discovered intermittent fasting, reading about, you know, I read about every every possible way you could lose weight because I was desperate, but 2009 is when I first discovered it, but it took me f- until 2014 to really embrace it as a lifestyle. So, wow. yeah, well, we, were, we were early adopters. Yeah, well, so... My first question was going to be just just kind of tell your story. So, uh, how did you discover, you know, intermittent fasting, and and what? How did that lead you to do everything that you're doing and write a book? Just kind of tell a little bit about your story. Okay. Well, um, like so many of your listeners, I'm sure I have always been interested in, of course, my weight and dieting. And even before I needed to diet, I watched my mother diet. She was a dance teacher, and she was always, you know, either trying to lose weight or trying to maintain her weight. So that was just what I thought we did as women. And, you know, my weight would go up and then I would diet it back down. And then over time, as I got older, the highs got higher and the lows didn't stick around very long until one day, really in um, 2014, I realized I was obese. I was 210 pounds, which is a lot for um, five foot five. And I realized I needed to do something about that. And nothing I had ever tried or done was something that I felt was long term. You know, I would start a diet or a program and the goal was always, you know, to get to my goal weight and then I could, quote, go back to normal. And so it really took me until 2014 to realize that it wasn't going to be a short term fix. I needed to fix it long term. So as I mentioned, I first found intermittent fasting in the years between 2009 to 2014 because I really read everything that came came along. I knew it shouldn't be this hard. You know, you see people around you living their lives, not obsessed with, you know, what they're eating and how much they're eating, not counting everything that they eat. You know, my husband never struggled with his weight. He just ate and then he stopped and <laughs> he always maintained a healthy weight. So I knew it could be done. And I thought, you know, what's wrong with me? And I figured there was like a magical food, to magical foods I needed to eat or a magical, you know, diet plan that would work for me. And none of those ever did. Um, 
until finally I made intermittent fasting my lifestyle in 2014. I was able to lose over 80 pounds and I've been able to keep it off. And, um, you know, ever since 2015. So I'm over five years of weight maintenance now, which is pretty amazing because that, that never happened to me before in my entire adult life. You know, I was always either on my way up or on my way down and maintenance was something that, that just didn't happen. So being able to, to lose over 80 pounds and keep the weight off, um, you know, based on my past history is, is amazing. I don't take it for granted still every day. I'm, I'm grateful for intermittent fasting. And I think it's really what, what most of us looked for. And, and now here it is. Very nice. Well, congratulations on all that. Thank you. So what all did you try? I mean, you, you said you tried a lot of diets. <laughs> Lordy, everything. everything. <laughs> well, I take that back. I tried everything that had been invented prior to 2014. Okay. The new things that have come along since then I haven't had to try, which is fabulous. You know, the, the new plans that people do. But, you know, I really tried everything. I, I kept trying um, low carb over and over again because everything I read, you know, they would spin it a new way. You know, first it was Atkins. I tried it that way. And then Suzanne Summers had her spin of it. And, you know, then keto came along. I was even trying keto in 2014. I was an early adopter of that. And I really, you know, low carb never one time worked for my body. Yet I kept trying it because, you know, the science sounded so good. And <laughs> I was like, I know this is the time it's going to work. And all these things you're, you know, allowed to eat were things that I loved. But I never lost any weight with that. Um, the only thing that really did work for me, well, two things worked for me. Counting calories worked back in the day when I could stick to it, but I would always regain all that weight, you know, plus more when I would try it. Of course, now, and I explain in Fast Feast Repeat why that's true. You know, our bodies fight us back when we try to restrict calories long term, and, and there's a lot of science as to why. Um, and then low fat worked for me really well in the early 90s. I was able to lose weight and maintain it following a low, a low fat approach, you know, without counting anything except fat grams that, you know, my body liked it for weight loss, but I didn't look great looking back on those photos, even though I, I lost weight and was slim. And it was, again, really hard to do long term, you know, for me. It has to be something I can do long-term and counting macros, whether it's counting fat or counting carbs or counting calories, none of those are a really long-term approach that, that I could stick to forever. Intermittent fasting has been. You when just you have just, to count the hours. I don't even count them anymore. I just, right. you know. I, <laughs> when you discovered intermittent fasting, was it, you said you did a lot of reading. Mm -hmm. I mean, were you kind of convinced of the science or were you just like, hey, I've tried everything else. Why not try this? Well, what's really you know, funny looking back, all the things that I read, the early works, really just talked about intermittent fasting as a way to restrict your calories and eat less food. That, that's what we thought. We didn't know any, the word autophagy was not on anyone's lips until 2016 when um, the Nobel Prize in Medicine was awarded based on research into autophagy. And we now know that intermittent fasting increases autophagy, which is our body's cellular repair um, program that is designed to happen in the, in the background so that um, our bodies can repair when we're not eating. You know, we're not designed to actually eat all the waking hours and, and realizing that that was a new realization. So anything that I read 
prior to really prior to reading the obesity code in 2016, anything you read about fasting talked about, you know, that you were eating fewer calories and really the, the health benefits were not talked about or really even known. So it was just really, you know, here's a way to quote, eat fewer calories and it's easier to do it. And that was really all that we thought of it, including me. That's all I thought it, that was going on. And then I read the obesity code and it really opened my eyes to the idea that, hmm, there's really a lot more going on during the fast than just you're not eating any, you know, quote, calories. And, you know, there's, there are benefits beyond that. And it's more than just calories in, calories out. You know, it's, it's your insulin levels. It's you being able to tap into your stored fat. You become a fat burner or you're fat adapted. And it really explained to me, you know, the more I understood about that, what goes on when we're in the fasted state and when our body learns how to flip that metabolic switch and tap into our fat stores, it also helped me understand why I was never successful with intermittent fasting in those years from 2009 to 2014, because I was very often on with it. I would try it for a few days and then I would stop and then I would go back. I never let my body adjust and, and learn how to tap into fat stores. So it was never successful and it was always hard. I basically lived trapped in the hard part, the adjustment phase. And it wasn't until I really made it a lifestyle that my body could adapt and adjust and it became, you know, easier. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Okay. When, if people want to start fasting, you know, there's a lot out there. There's, there's time restricted eating, you know, there's kind of popular 16, eight, which is you fast for 16 hours and, and you kind of have that eight hour window. And of course there's some, some prolonged fasting. So, you know, what's the best way for people to get started? How did you get started? And, and what are maybe some of the, the hurdles to, to get over when you get started? Well, the way I got started is not the way I want people to get started okay. now because we know so much more now. In my book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, I have um, a, a chapter that explains exactly how to get started. I call it the 28-day fast start. That's the period of time for you to let your body adjust and adapt. Your, your one goal is to nail the clean fast, which I also explain in the book, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute if you'd like. And your, your one goal, like I said, is to nail the clean fast, let your body adjust, and not to expect any kind of weight loss during that first 28 days because your body is learning how to do something new. Um, you know, time-restricted eating is one type of intermittent fasting. 16-8 would be a, a time-restricted eating protocol. It's, it's a very healthy way to live. It is not likely to be a weight loss approach for many people. I mean, it, it certainly could be, you know, if you're young, if you're metabolically healthy, if you, um, you know, do a lot of working out, 16-8 might be a weight loss approach for you. But for me as a, you know, I'm actually postmenopausal now at the age of 51. And for me, 16-8 would not have been a weight loss plan. So it's really important to understand, you know, what your body needs and what my body needs for weight loss may not be the same thing. When you get started, though, 16-8 is a great place to get started. You really just need to skip breakfast. Skip breakfast, stick to clean, fast-approved beverages, which would be black coffee, plain tea, plain unflavored water. Stick to those, then you know, open your eating window. If you're doing 16-8, you can start with lunch and then have dinner. And it, it really doesn't feel like you're, you're changing much. And then over time, you can you start uh, increasing the length of the fast. I tend to 
for me, a 19 to 20 hour daily fast was a great weight loss sweet spot. Of course, anyone listening who's just starting out probably thinks, oh my gosh, I couldn't do that. That's a lot of fasting. You know, we don't ask you to do that on day one. You let your body adjust and then you find, wow, I really can go 19 hours, but not on day one. Yeah. Okay. And so when you're advising people to start, I mean, you mm-hmm. usually have them start maybe doing the 16-8, just skipping breakfast. I mean, usually that's that's what I recommend. Is that a good Yep, that's a great, great way to get started. Okay. Start off just by skipping breakfast and then, you know, eventually you can push it back a little bit un- until it feels comfortable for you. It's not going to feel comfortable at first. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to... Um, your body's not used to running on stored fat. You actually have to train it to do that. And so, you know, if you ever feel shaky or nauseous, you know, during the fast, that's your body's signal to go ahead and eat. You know, even if you only made it 14 hours that day, you know, your body, you know, your glucose is low and your body's not well fueled because it's not tapping into your fat stores effectively. So early on, it's, it's perfectly fun to not, you know, be able to reach that, that goal that you set for yourself. You listen to your body and, and it gets better as you adjust. And you said you do about 20 hours? Uh, loosely, it depends. You know, I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm, I'm at a, a good weight for my body. And it just really depends on how busy I am. You know, if I have a few days with, with longer fasts, I'm really busy. I find maybe one day I, I'm a little hungrier and I might open my window at one and only have, you know, a 16 hour fast that day. And, and it's okay. It's just, you know, I'm better at listening to my body knowing when I might need more fuel. Okay. Now, what about incorporating some prolonged fast? Do you ever do I am that? not. No, I am not an extended faster. Okay. And I really do not recommend extended fasts for weight loss purposes. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that if you're doing anything over 72, you really need to be under medical supervision. Mm-hmm. We've got research on, on fasting, but not a lot beyond that 72 hours. Um, in fact, there's one study that I always go back to that I think is very instructive for us. And they did a study where they followed people for 72 hours and they followed their metabolic rates. They, they um, looked at you know, their ketone production over the fast, but they found that over the course of the fast, when they started, you know, they measured their metabolic rate at the beginning and they found that their metabolic rate went up over the time until it peaked at a certain point and then it started to go back down again. So by the time they ended at 72 hours, metabolic rate was on a downward trajectory. It was still higher than it had been initially, but it was on that downward path. So that lets us see that you know there is a point when our bodies will say, hmm, there's nothing coming in. This is continuing. Let's slow our metabolic rate to compensate for that. You know, our body doesn't want us to starve to death, and there are all these protective mechanisms in place. So, at what point does our body start to slow our metabolism? Of course, I have a hunch that's going to be different for everybody. That was the average that they found. Um, but you know, if your if your goal is weight loss, I think you'll be a lot better off to stick to something that's well researched, like um, the up down day method, alternate day fasting, where you might have say a 36 hour fast and then a 12 hour, you know, refeeding day and up day, we call it um, so that you're having the fast and then the feast. And so those alternate day fasting protocols are well-researched. The up day is protective of metabolism. They found participants metabolic rates did not slow over time. As long as you're having that up day, you know, the thing about fasting is 
we tend to think that, well, if a little fasting is good, we need to do more, more, more. And that's, that's not, you know, always the case. So you really need to learn to, to switch things up, let your body know that you're not at any risk of starvation. And, you know, I've been in the community for a long, long time. And I can remember in those early days, people were like, well, fasting is great. I'm going to fast for 21 days and I'm just going to get to my goal weight and, you know, I'm just going to fast till I get there. And people who were really dedicated would do it. They would just fast and fast and fast. And then over and over again, we would see those people have the same outcome. They would start to binge. They would feel like they were weak. They would regain all the weight they had lost on those 21 days. And, and those protective mechanisms, the urge to eat, the urge to binge, that's a sign that your body is telling you you've done too much. And so it's not that those people were failing. It's that they were trying to fast for too long. So that, that kind of has shaped my thinking. You know, we don't see that when someone finds a, a pattern is, is less you know, extreme. We do not have good research to show what happens even with repeated 30, you know, um, I'm sorry, 72 hour fast. You know, I said that one study, they showed what happened. The metabolic rate was going back down. They did not research 72 hour fasts that were frequently done like 72 hours once a month. We don't, we don't know when it becomes too much. So my best advice is to listen to your body. If you ever start feeling an increased urge to binge, and I mean after your body's adjusted to fasting, because before you're fat adapted, you're not well-fueled. But once you're fat adapted and well-fueled, you should feel great. So feeling like you need to binge is a sign that you're overdoing it. So we're talking mostly about weight loss here, but uh, obviously you kind of touched on it. There's a lot of other benefits to oh, fasting. Yes. Um, you mentioned the term autophagy. So yes. explain to listeners what is autophagy. Autophagy is your body's recycling system. And I like to think of it as upcycling because you know I was a teacher for 28 years and teachers are great at upcycling. We can take old junk and turn it into something that's useful. And that's what your body does. When you're not in the fed state, when you're in the fasted state, um, your body has to look around and see what's there. You know, think about it like um, if you were snowed in in a snowstorm and you couldn't get to the grocery store for a long time, you would have to rummage around in your pantry to see what was there. And you, you would figure out how to make meals out of that stuff you find in the back. That's what your body does. When you're in the fasted state, your body searches around and says, Oop, we got these old junky proteins sitting around. Let's recycle those. Let's use them for something else. And so your body can use what's there to rebuild. You know, you've got plenty of fuel with your fat stores. You've got plenty of old junky proteins. Your body reuses those. Yeah. So, and, and obviously through all that, we think anyways that, that fasting decreases risk for things like cancer mm -hmm. as well as other things. So, um, I typically recommend people once they're used to this to do maybe a, if they can to do a little bit of an extended fast. And when I say extended fast up to 72 hours quarterly. Okay. Um, that sounds like a, uh, yeah, that's a pretty good recommendation. I could get, get beyond behind that one and your patients are doing it under your supervision as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I think it's good for weight loss as well, but I'm looking more at the health health benefits and you know a lot of my patients are insulin resistant as, as a lot mm -hmm. of the general population is and just helping with those things um you know i i mentioned this in my fat burning lecture when i was talking about fasting but if anybody's listening to this 
and they are on you know diabetes medicines, especially insulin. I mean, you've got to talk to your doctor before just going mm-hmm. and, and doing fasting because uh, obviously on on med- certain medications, your blood sugar is going to drop too low, and um, so you just need to be aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. On that note, who who should not do this? I mean, is there people who who you would not recommend you know doing intermittent fasting? Yes. First of all, we would not put our children or teens on an intermittent fasting protocol until they're finished growing. And that would be something to talk to your, your child or teen's um, pediatrician about, you know, because developmentally, you know, they're in the growing phase. They're not trying to, um, you know, even if you have a teen or a, a child who's overweight, it might be tempting to say, oh, we'll just do intermittent fasting. But no, they, they're growing. So I would not do that with them. Talk to their doctor about that. Um, secondly, if you're pregnant or if you're breastfeeding, you should not do intermittent fasting because you're building, again, you're building a baby. We don't want increased autophagy while we're, while we're building a new, a new baby. And also during the breastfeeding phase, you know, when we're breaking down stored fat, our bodies will, you know, store toxins in our fat and then release it during the, the fat loss phase. So you don't want to be, you know, breastfeeding and, and doing intermittent fasting. Just wait until your baby is weaned and then you've got your body back until then it's not your body belongs to your baby. Mm -hmm. So um, that that's the population we do not want to have fast. Also, you know, if if you are just unsure as to whether it's safe for your health condition, talk to your doctor about it. But you know, there are not a lot of contraindications to fasting. You just want to make sure, especially if you're on medication, like you mentioned, that you, your doctor or pharmacist advises you on how to take your medication. You know, certain medications, blood pressure medicine, things for diabetes, all of those can affect your body differently in the fasted state. So your typical dosing re- regimen or, or timing might need to change. You know, definitely don't feel embarrassed to talk about it with your doctor because intermittent fasting is, is everywhere. Ever since last December, December of 2019, when um, it was featured in the New England Journal of Medicine, you know, which is, you know, the gold standard for doctors, it, it's not something that's in the shadows. It's something that's out there. And it was featured not for weight loss, like you mentioned, it was featured for the health benefits. Intermittent fasting is a healthy way for most adults to live. You know, don't think you can't do it if you're diabetic. You just need to make sure that you are structuring it in a way that's safe based on on your blood glucose and medications you may be taking, and you'll need to tweak the timing. Also, if you have a diagnosed eating disorder, this is the kind of thing to talk to your counselor about. Um, you know, we say don't just start doing intermittent fasting alone if you've been diagnosed with an eating disorder. Certain eating disorders actually respond very well. Binge eating disorder is one that people report actually goes away over time with intermittent fasting, but you shouldn't try to do it alone, and it might not be right for you. So that, that's just one caveat. What about women, young women who are still cycling? I've read some stuff. Uh, a little bit controversial, you know, I've, I've read some stuff and I don't remember her name. There was a gynecologist who recommended doing fasting like the first half of the cycle for women and then the second half to not do it. Mm. I mean, is there any reason why a, a cycling uh, female should not do it? Well, here's, here's what we know. We know that female bodies do not respond well to heavy over-restriction. We, we should not overly restrict as women. 
And, but intermittent fasting is not designed to be overly restrictive if you're following it in a way where you're honoring your body's hunger and satiety signals. So I think that people get somewhat confused with the idea of, oh gosh, we're so fragile as women, we, we can't do this. That is not true. What we should not do is over-restrict, no matter what that is. You should not overly restrict through fasting and that will stress out your body. But no, I, I don't, there is zero scientific evidence that I've ever discovered that would indicate that, that we're so fragile, we should not fast for <laughs> the second half of our cycle. You know, when I, when I started intermittent fasting, I was still cycling and, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of women in my Facebook support groups. We actually have found that intermittent fasting leads to increased fertility for women who have polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. I never know if I'm saying that right. Polycystic ovary syndrome, I think. Yeah. PCOS. Yeah. Um, those, th that is a condition that's linked to high levels of insulin, hyperinsulinemia, chronic levels of insulin, high levels of insulin. And so I actually had an OBGYN on my podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories, who prescribes intermittent fasting to her patients, specifically the ones with PCOS. And no, she does not have them take time off because the goal is to get your insulin low. And so among her patients, she finds women who were infertile thanks to the PCOS, boom, now they're getting pregnant, they're having babies. So don't be worried, women. And a lot of the people who really um, caution women against it are, are men. <laughs> That's great. Um, what about athletes? Oh, we've got all sorts of people who are doing intermittent fasting who are athletes. And I cover it briefly in Fast, Feast, Repeat. I am not an athlete. So if you are a marathoner or an ultra marathoner or, you know, trying to build your body for a competition, you know, there are going to be special considerations you have. But most people find that once their body adjusts to intermittent fasting, they actually have greater endurance in the fasted state than they did before when they were trying to train with, you know, the gels and everything. So you, you just have to learn to, um, you have to train accordingly. And I'm not going to be your best expert for how to do that, but you should not be worried that, that you can't do it because, you know, I interviewed an, an ultra marathoner for um, intermittent fasting stories and she and her husband work out in the fasted state and she runs in the fasted state and it, it works out great for her, but you have to let your body adjust, but you have that, that steady source of energy there. You know, you don't have the the ups and downs that, that you would be used to when you're running on, um, on glucose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can just speak on personal experience. I'm a, a CrossFitter. And when I first started fasting and kind of doing lower carb, man, it was really hard. And it took right. me, I don't know, several months probably mm -hmm. to get adjusted. But once I did, then I was, I was back to my baseline. So Absolutely. I think you're exactly right. It just, it just takes time. You know, I'm a 51-year-old woman, as I said, and I do the daily um, you know, eating window approach. But every time I've had to do, you know, I, I'm not like a heavy exerciser, but I'm active during my day. But every time I've had to, you know, when I was moving or we just went to the, I, we 
had to a rental property and I was doing a lot of, of work there. I was able to do all of it in the fasted state, you know, even later into the day than normal. And I have no loss of energy. It's only once I eat that then I'm like, okay, now I'm done. But there's there's not been one single thing that I've I've needed to do in the fasted state that I could not find the energy to do. Okay. Well, so let's so that's the fasting part. So right. let's talk about the feasting part. All right. You say to delay, don't deny. Um, so just just kind of talk about that. What type of foods that you recommend eating? You, you know, you mentioned your book, or, or you pose the question: Does food quality matter? Uh, so just just kind of talk about that part. Well, spoiler alert: Yes, food quality does matter, and I really dig into this in the um, in the feast section. You know, in my in my first book, Delay Don't Deny. I think some people got sidetracked by the title only. <laughs> you know, the idea that you're delaying and not denying is not code for what you eat does not matter and you can just eat and eat and eat and eat. And some people missed that part in Delay, Don't Deny, where I talk about, yes, you can have such a luxurious eating window that you do not lose any weight. So if your goal is weight loss, then you're going to have to, you know, choose the foods that work for your body for weight loss. Now for me, when I lost my my you know 80 pounds, the first 55 pounds of that, I did not change a single thing that I was eating at all. For the last 20, my original goal was to lose 75. For the last 20, I did delay alcohol and I delayed overly processed foods to lose that last 20 pounds. I didn't restrict carbs. I didn't restrict calories. I didn't restrict fat. I ate foods that were delicious. I ate plenty of carbs. I ate plenty of fat, but just real food versions, like a real baked potato with real butter and real cheese. You know, that, that was a food that worked very, very well for me, you know, as I was losing the weight, but alcohol didn't work well for me and overly processed foods did not work as well for me. And really overly processed foods don't work well for any person's body, really, when we dig in and understand why. You know, I, I have in, in Fast Feast Repeat, in the 28-day fast start, surprisingly, I don't want people to also change everything they're eating on day one at the same time as adjusting to the, to the clean fast because it could be just too much for you. I want you to start intermittent fasting. If it's your day one, I want you to continue to eat the way you have most recently been eating. Now, that could be different. Like, let's say you were just doing keto, and then you're like, I'm tired of keto. I want to do intermittent fasting. And so then you jump into intermittent fasting and add back all the foods at the same time. I would not recommend that you do that. Or if you've been eating the standard American diet and you're like, I'm going to clean up what I'm eating and I'm going to start intermittent fasting. I also wouldn't recommend that you do that. Change one thing, nail the clean fast, then you can start to tweak your food choices. You know, when I say delay, don't deny, that means that Every day you delay what you're eating to your eating window and you do not need to deny yourself of the foods that you love that work well for your body. But over time, a funny thing happens because it happened for me. I realized that those overly processed foods didn't make me feel good. And so I have very naturally gravitated towards eating very high quality foods, lots of nutritious foods. And we find that almost without question, that's what happens within our community. People are like, oh my gosh, I tried my favorite cookie and it wasn't even good. And so then you naturally are eating these higher quality foods. 
And some people, you know, need to tweak to, to find the weight loss they're looking for. Some people don't, but it's very much a journey of personal discovery. As I mentioned earlier, keto or low carb never worked well for my body. I do better. I feel better when I have high quality carbs. I do great with grains. I do great with, you know, potatoes. Um, all of those foods work well for me. Some people, though, that might not be true. Maybe someone does better with lower, a lower carb approach. They need to not eat grains. And so I'm not dogmatic when it comes to what foods you should be eating because your body will guide you. You know, my um, 21-year-old son came over yesterday and he said, I don't, yeah, I, I cook for him. I, I make him meals and send them home and he, he eats on them over the week. But he said, I don't want so much meat. You know, stop making this chicken. I'm <laughs> giving him chicken breast in a little bake kind of a thing. He's like, I don't feel good eating so much meat. You know, his body has let him know that he wants to eat less meat. And I think with intermittent fasting, people will find that your body will communicate to you what foods work well for you. Maybe you'll start to want more meat. You know, maybe you'll go carnivore. I don't know. But your body will let you know what, what feels good for you. Okay. How many calories do you think you get in your eating window? You don't, you don't count? <laughs> no. No. I just took part in a, um, a study called PREDICT, PREDICT3, um, where they were monitoring your blood glucose and also your gut microbiome. Tim Spector out of the UK is one of the lead scientists behind this work. Just It's showing that we're all different when it comes to what foods work well for our bodies. And they're tracking that based on your personalized glucose response and also your, um, your gut microbiome composition. But I had to input everything I ate for the whole part of that study and just even inputting it was like, I was like, I can't do this. So I, was, I thought I would wear the glucose monitor for a while just to see. And I was like, I'm so sick of tracking what I eat. So I literally have no idea how many calories I eat. I mean, it's plenty. I, I add plenty of butter until my food is delicious. And so, you know, I would probably, I think people would probably be surprised with how much I eat. But I eat until I'm satisfied. And some days it's not as much as other days. It just really... You know, some days I eat less, some days I eat more, and I listen to my body. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take a step back just a minute because okay. you, you've mentioned clean fast, and I don't know yes. that, that we necessarily define that. So is that basically not. just nothing with calories? Is, is that correct? No, that actually would not be the way I would define the clean okay. fast. And okay. so um, what, let me back up and tell you there are three fasting goals. And okay. so I, I designed the, the clean fast around our three fasting goals. The first goal is you would like to lower your insulin so that you can tap into your stored body fat because you know that when you have hyperinsulinemia that kind of locks up your fat high levels of insulin mean it's your body's in storing mode and not fat burning mode so you need to lower your levels of insulin and so we want to not have anything during the fast that's going to make your body release insulin well we know that food makes your body release insulin but so does sweetness like a diet soda, for example. A diet soda has zero calories. So we've been trained by the diet industry that it's perfectly fine to drink diet soda all day long. But your brain doesn't understand that, it doesn't understand zero calorie sweetness because we're still, you know, wired back from the days of, well, if something's sweet, it's fruit or honey or it has calories. And so your body needs insulin to manage the sugar hit that's coming in because, you know, when our blood glucose goes up, we need insulin to bring it down. So you taste that sweetness on your tongue 
And even though it's zero calories, your brain says, whoop, sweetness coming in. We're going to need some insulin to manage that. And so it pumps out some insulin. That's called the cephalic phase insulin response. And even though you didn't really need insulin because it was zero calories, your, your brain still had your pancreas pump it out. So we avoid anything that tastes sweet or tastes like food. Um, you know, avoid those, those teas like, um, you know, apple cinnamon delight. Sounds delicious. That's what your brain's going to think. And your, your body's going to pump out insulin in response. We want to avoid anything that is sweet or tastes like food. To keep, that's fasting goal one, keep our insulin low. The second fasting goal is to um, burn stored fat. So we want to avoid taking in any sources of, of actual energy. You know, you don't want to take in MCT oil, which a lot of people, you know, you'll find YouTube videos that are like, hey, drink MCT oil in your coffee. Right. You will magically burn more fat. And, well, you're going to burn the fat from your, your MCT oil from your coffee cup if you're putting that in your coffee. So Keep your coffee black, don't add cream, don't add butter, don't add MCT oil because that defeats the purpose. You're not tapping into your stored body fat. Also, fasting goal three, we would like to experience increased autophagy. So avoid any kind of protein. You know, some people think, well, bone broth, it's very low calorie, it's good for you, I'm going to drink that. There are even things called bone broth fasts. Well, that's going to turn off autophagy because of the protein. So avoid... Um, any of those things, you want to stick to plain water. You know, it can be, it can be bubbly, you know, like a, a San Pellegrino, but avoid any of the flavors, avoid all of those flavored waters. I mean, there's like probably 10 bazillion options of flavored water now with a, a new one every minute, avoid all the flavors, stick to plain. Um, don't add any flavor enhancers, stick to black coffee, plain tea. If you're drinking herbal tea, stick to one with a bitter flavor profile because bitter flavor profiles do not cause insulin release um, on their own. So something like a, I can never say it right, yerba mate is how I said it, but that's wrong. <laughs> However you say it, that one is probably safe, but you want any tea you have to have a bitter flavor profile. Perfect. Yeah. And I think that's what I tell people. I, I basically just tell them black coffee, unsweet tea and water. Yep. That's, I mean, that's it. That's it. People try to work in, I mean, every day they're coming up with new products. What about mushroom tea? No. What I saw one, what about uh, peanut coffee? I'm like, I don't know what that is, but no. What's, that, is <laughs> what, what's your thought on, I'm sure you're probably familiar with, with Walter Longo and the fasting diet. Uh, what, what's your thought on that? I don't want to speak negatively about any person, but Walter Longo <laughs> used to be a huge proponent of intermittent fasting and in fact followed it himself. And then he developed the fasting mimicking diet. And then all of a sudden started going around saying that he did not recommend fasting beyond 12 hours, do his mimicking diet instead. So he and I have really, um, we, we disagree on his thoughts about intermittent fasting because, um, I mean, I am not against the fasting mimicking diet per se, but some of the things that he says about fasting um, go contrary to things that, that I have read and even through experience. He, early on when he was developing the fasting mimicking diet, I heard him say he was developing it because he knew that there were health benefits related to fasting, but it was hard to you know, sell fasting to, to doctors even because it seemed like it would be really hard. And so he developed the fasting mimicking diet because it was an easier kind of a thing to do. You were still eating, you know, but it was mimicking the benefits of fasting. And, and that, that um, you know, he's shown that 
during his research. But I reject his statement that fasting is hard, so do the fasting mimicking diet instead. You know, if you're fasting clean, fasting is not hard. Um, if you're trying to do it with, you know, bone broth and cream in your coffee and diet sodas, yes, fasting is going to be hard. But if you're fasting clean, fasting is not hard once you've built up the fasting muscle. And also fasting is not, you know, dangerous. And I was very disappointed when I heard him talk about a, a study that actually, you know, talked about how it was really a, a correlational study that showed that skipping breakfast led to heart attacks. I've heard him say that. And then you go to the, the study that he talks about, and it was correlational. And the type of people who were tracked who were skipping breakfast were not healthy. And they, they weren't really fasting clean. They just were skipping breakfast and then living a very unhealthy lifestyle. And that was very clear in the study. And he's a scientist and he knows that that study does not show that skipping breakfast causes heart attacks. Yeah, um, yeah. So when I, when I heard him say that as why a reason why we should follow his fasting mimicking diet instead, you know, I, I wasn't, wasn't um, yeah, impressed. Yeah. <laughs> just, just put it that way. Well, and, and if you, if you get his prepackaged stuff, it's very expensive. Oh, and it's, fasting, yeah. yeah. To do this fasting mimicking diet, I believe it's five days, and it's very, very mm -hmm. expensive. And so, yeah, to me, uh, it just overcomplicates everything. You know, I'm, I tell patients, just just fast. I mean, don't, exactly. don't have, you know, don't worry about, you know, the certain amount of calories that he recommends and all that. Just mm -hmm. just do the real thing. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what I think, too. And you know, I, I would have respected him a lot more if he said, fasting is great. I've designed this program for people who would like to mimic it instead of don't do fasting, do this instead. That, and, and, you know, using studies to support something that they don't support. He, he knows better. He's a researcher. Yeah. Um, so what do you say to people? Because I hear this all the time when I'm recommending fasting is they just look at me and they're like, I, I can't, go, <laughs> I can't go without eating. Like I'll, you know, I'll get hangry or I'll get, I'll get headaches. I'll get shaky. I'll get this. Like I, I, I can't do that. Like what, what do you say to those people? Well, usually whenever people are saying that it's I'm I, like, if I'm with someone like this weekend, I was with some friends um, from college and one of them is not doing intermittent fasting and was talking about doing it. And with the other intermittent fasters and me all talking to her about it, we're like, we promise it, it, that's what you think it's going to be like. And it's really not like that once you adjust. And I wish I could take credit for saying this, but I didn't. But I don't know who originated this, but it's so true. The saying goes something like, you know, dieting is easy in contemplation and difficult in execution. Fasting is the opposite. It's difficult in contemplation, but easy in execution. And so it, it, it's, you know, everybody started a diet thinking it's going to be easy. Well, intermittent fasting is, of course, not a diet. It's a pattern of when you eat, not what you eat. But really, we promise that it, it is something that once you adjust, it just becomes second nature. And you realize once you go back to eating all day, like maybe for a special occasion or on vacation, you realize that's actually more difficult than intermittent fasting. And I think too, you know, in my own life, I can say intermittent fasting allows me to probably cheat a little bit more um, because, you know, you've talked about insulin, you've talked about, mm -hmm. um, you know, burning fat. And so, even if you're cheating and then you're turning around and fasting, you're still uh, giving your body a chance 
to learn how to burn fat for fuel, uh, you know, which, which I talk about a lot. And, and so I just, I think it allows you to, not that I want people to cheat, but um, it, it allows you to cheat a little bit more. Would you agree yeah. with that? And I would like you to, to get rid of that word cheat. I okay. have a, a chapter yeah. in Delight on Deny called We Don't Cheat, We Plan. Okay. And there is there is no cheating. Even if you, you know, quote, take a day off from intermittent fasting, that's not cheating. Because, you know, you plan to do it. Have a planned indulgence. You know, when I was at the beach with these girlfriends, we ate cupcakes every day. You know, there was a fabulous cupcake shop. And that wasn't cheating. Now, I don't eat cupcakes every day at home because sugar doesn't work great for my body when I eat too much of it. And I've learned that over time. And so I don't eat a ton of sugar, but it was just, it was a special occasion and those delicious cupcakes were there. We each had a little bit and, and it was fine. And you learn that there is no cheating and it's, and, and your body lets you know that, oh, you know, I, I've been eating out at restaurants and the food is really heavy. And so my first day back home after that trip, I was really excited to, <laughs> to eat a lot of veggies and, and I felt better after I did. So you, you learn that you want to feel good yeah. and, and eating high quality foods makes you feel really good. So you mentioned the, the diet brain. What is the right. diet brain? You know, we've all, we've all had it. If you've been reading diet books and, you know, chasing the latest and greatest diet, you probably have developed diet brain and some people have more recovery to do than others. And diet brain is when you really do think about all foods as, you know, good foods, bad foods, and that there's some kind of perfect diet out there for you. And you start to, you know, worry about, um, you know, what you're eating, tracking your macros, tracking your calories. And I think it all comes back down to what we've done. And we have, as a society, we have given over our power to diet book authors who tell us what to do and when to do it. And that's one thing you know, that's different in Fast Feast Repeat is that, you know, I have some guidance in there, but my guidance is to help you find the approach that works for your body. It's not, here's what you do at this time of day, and here's when your eating window should be, and here's the foods that I want you to eat. Here's your food plan. No, I don't have any of that. But, you know, you go read any other diet book out there and it's like, here's the good foods, here's the bad foods, here's when you eat them, here's exactly what to do. And every one of those programs, I believe, is probably the ideal plan for the person who wrote that book. Those are the foods that work for them. That's the schedule that works for them. And so they extrapolate that information to, and so therefore, here is how everyone else should eat in the world. And so we're trying to follow a plan written by someone for themselves because it's how they feel the best. That's not how you're going to feel the best. So you get diet brain because you think the answer is out there. And really the answer is inside of you. And so I genuinely believe people could follow me around, eat exactly what I eat when I eat it and have completely different results than I've had because it's the wrong foods for them. Maybe they need a morning eating window. Maybe that's going to work best for their body. And so I want people to take back the power instead of relying on me or anybody else to tell you what to eat and when to eat it, you're in charge at all times. And that's the message that I send throughout my book and really all of my books, that you're in charge and there is no one size fits all way to eat or to fast. So we talked about the fasting part and to maybe start slow, mm -hmm. listen to your body, figure out what works for you the best kind of time window, uh, the feast part, 
you know, we want to eat good quality foods for sure. Try to limit processed carbohydrates is, you know, that's not really good for anybody. And then the repeat is, Mm -hmm. is basically repeating this. You mentioned to just get your mind right, you know, Mm -hmm. have a, a mindset of kind of intermittent fasting for life. Is that kind of a good summary of everything? I think so. And really my, my favorite chapter in the whole book is the mindset chapter of Fast Feast Repeat because our minds are powerful and science shows it. It's not just, you know, like you believe it, it will happen. I mean, it's a lot more, more science behind it than that. But when you believe something is going to work for you and you really do believe it, it, it will, science shows it's more likely to work for you. So there, um, there's studies that I, I talk about in, in the book, realizing, you know, this is the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. Even if your weight loss is not as quick as you expect, intermittent fasting is working in your body. You just need to find the right weight loss tweak that your body needs. You know, some people say, hmm, intermittent fasting doesn't work for everyone. Yes, it is always working. It's always in there doing the cellular repair lowering your insulin levels, doing other wonderful things that you might not be able to see on the scale, but it's working. It, it never is stopping working. Now for weight loss, there, there are different things you may need to tweak, as I said, but the right tweak is there for everybody. So you have a whole podcast that I believe uh, talks about success stories and stuff. Yes. Um, so are there any success stories that come up in your mind that, that you, you'd want to share? Well, there's just so many, and everyone has has a different story. And I'm uh, at episode 122 is coming out this week, so you can see it's been it's been going on for a while. Um, but really, the main thing when people listen to intermittent fasting stories, even though every story is different, they all have certain commonalities, and that is embrace intermittent fasting as a lifestyle tweak to find what works for you, you know, people share what works for them, whether it's, you know, the daily eating window approach, whether it's an alternate day fasting protocol, you know, whether they are low carb or maybe they are vegan or maybe they are um, carnivore, you know, we've got people eating all different styles, all different ways. We have people who didn't lose any weight at all for months, but then they realized their fatty liver had been completely reversed. So did intermittent fasting work for them? Well, if the only thing they'd been doing was going by the scale, they would think it hadn't. But, you know, their liver scans showed fatty liver, no more fatty liver. So did intermittent fasting work for for that person? Oh, yeah. And then finally, you know, she started to have weight loss. But you really just learn that it's very individual. You're your own, you know, N equals one study. You cannot expect it to work for you the exact same way that it worked for someone else. Okay. But that, that's what really, you know, I, I am so much more relaxed about intermittent fasting now and, and realizing that there's something out there that will work for you. And you, know, you have to have the right mindset approach. You know, we say something called trust the process which also can be misunderstood. Trust the process does not mean you decide you're going to do a 19-5 approach with a five-hour eating window, and then you just start doing that and trust that it's magically going to work. No, trust the process means there's a process of tweaking and experimenting and trust that you will be able to find what works for you. The process is tweaking and adapting and figuring out what makes you feel great. And as long as you're feeling great, that's a very good sign that what you're doing is working well for you. No, great advice. And, you know, as a physician, 
I would say, you know, we're, we're trained to just give medicines, unfortunately. Right. Um, but I have found through this kind of journey of my own that there is really not much there, there's really nothing better than fasting as far as, you know, there's, there's not medicine out there that has anywhere close to the same effect that fasting does as far as metabolic health, lowering triglycerides, uh, lowering insulin levels, mm -hmm. possibly weight loss. But like you said, even if you're not losing weight, usually I see all these other parameters that are just generally making, you know, people healthy. So, and it's free. And, exactly. And, and, and so, yes, it's, it's a great thing. So, um, okay. Well, uh, I always end my podcast by asking my, asking my guests if they could give us one health tip that can make us healthier today. Obviously we're talking about fasting and it can be that or something else. So uh, what would you say to our listeners? Well, of course, fast clean. And, um, I say that because so many people that I talk to will tell me, oh, I tried, I tried intermittent fasting and it didn't work for me. And I'll say, okay, tell me what you were drinking <laughs> during the fast. And they'll say, well, I put a little creamer or I had my diet soda or I saw a YouTube that said to put stevia and lemon and whatever. And, do. and so my, my one tip would be fast clean. The clean fast will change everything. And if you think you are not successful with intermittent fasting, examine what you were doing. Were you, you know, chewing gum? Were you having mints? Were you, you know, putting something in your coffee? Even if you saw YouTube that said it was okay, it's not. Go back, fast, clean, and let the magic happen. It is like night and day. Very good. Well, the name of the book is Fast, Feast, Repeat. Did yes. I get the order right that time? You did. You okay, did. All right. And uh, you can find that on Amazon, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Or anywhere. It's in Target right now, which is very exciting. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then mention the name of your podcast and maybe the, the Facebook page. What are some other ways? Okay. Um, well, if you, if you search for Delay, Don't Deny, Intermittent Fasting Support, you can find our, our main group. We have an advanced group. It's an advanced book support group just for if you've read Fast, Feast, Repeat. So we don't let people in until after they've read the book because we find that it's much easier to give good support to people who have actually read Fast Feast Repeat. So read Fast Feast Repeat, then join Delay Don't Deny Advanced Book Support Group. We'd love to have you there. And the members are great at giving support because they know all the, the good information too. They're not going to give you bad advice because um, we're all on the same page. If you are interested in hearing Intermittent Fasting Stories, that's the name of the podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories, if you want a little more of the science, then listen to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm with co-host Melanie Avalon, and I actually have a new podcast coming out in early December called Life Lessons, and my um, good friend Sherry Bullock is co-hosting that with me, and it is not about intermittent fasting. <laughs> We're talking about all sorts of different topics, life hacks, um, fun things, good news stories. So it's really a podcast for anyone who just likes to hear good news. And we have a, a Facebook community for that as well. It's called um, Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. And we're really excited about that venture because as much as I love intermittent fasting, I'm about a whole lot more than that. Well, very good. All right. Well, uh, Jen, we certainly appreciate your time here. Well, thank you for having me. Okay. And uh, thanks, guys, for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to FitRx. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com.
This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk.